listen to Two Married Lesbians discuss an LGBTQ plus book each month that highlights the queer human condition as they use connection and humor to relate the issues to us as a queer community. She's Anna. And she's Miranda. I am. And we're two married lesbians. We are. And we're all queer here. Welcome all back, all you queer bibliophiles. Very excited to talk about Cemetery Boys today. Uh, such a fun romp of a book. Especially for October, a little spooky. It's like, I've called it like the trifecta you've got for October because it's LGBTQ History Month, mm-hmm. it's Halloween, mm-hmm. and it's queer. So it's like the trifecta of what oh. you need or, and want in October. Everything. Publishers Weekly suggests this title for ages 13 and up. And Booklist suggests it for grades 8 and up. It is our firm belief that only parents have the right to truly know what is appropriate for their children to read. Author Aiden Thomas is trans and Latinx and queer and uses they, them pronouns. And also we want to spotlight that the audio book has an interview with the author and the narrator at the end. It's a great combo. I loved that interview. It was just delightful. Just between them, it was just really cute. It's a great conversation. All right. I think I want to start with admitting that I have been calling it Dia de los Muertos. I've just been throwing in a the, and that's kind of embarrassing. I think okay. a lot of non-Latinx people do that, So, because I've picked it up from someone else, I'm sure. Um, but it's Dia de Muertos. Um, and I thought this was really a big, big um, sell that Yadriel's mom was supportive of him being trans. That was beautiful to hear about. Yeah, And absolutely. it was the first Dia de Muertos without her. Mm, yeah. Because I think that kind of got lost with some of the other plot points. Like, you know, this is the first one without her. It kind of comes back around to the end. And I loved the opening because you're not really sure what they're doing because there's like chicken blood and there's his friend and all this stuff going on and there's a knife and you're like, what is happening? And that they wouldn't let him do the ceremony as a brujo because they said that Lady Death wouldn't make it work like wouldn't let it allow it to work because he wasn't a brujo yeah with the transgender part coming i really i really enjoyed um and i mean obviously spanish is not the only language that genders Mm -hmm. so many words um but i really enjoyed how much this book kind of dove into exploring that topic and about how um the spanish language as well as the specific cultural differences between all the different, um, uh, well, just to say culture again, but all the different cultures that are Spanish speaking to kind of see how that plays into identity and how, um, you know, just playing with both like gender dynamics, um, the way that language works and cultural norms. Uh, I really enjoyed exploring those topics through these characters. Um, and also like the, again, this comes up for us a lot, but the concept of like chosen family, mm-hmm. you know, um, it was really beautiful to see the different dynamics between uh, Yadriel's family 
and like his cousins and all that. that there was so much close-knit love within that family that then also brought about this this struggle with um, transphobia and transphobia and and all of that but then you see that contrasted against uh you uh julian's chosen family because a lot of you know his different um friends had not had that same close-knit community whether they were thrown out because they were, um, you know, you know, once it was discovered that they were trans or queer, they were thrown out or whether it was, you know, um, as we saw with, uh, Julian's father, uh, and, and dealing with, you know, like immigration issues and ICE and, um, violence that kind of stems out of those sorts of instances that are just, tragic and difficult to deal with i think too like bringing up um the issue with the police when his friends report julian missing that they just assume he'd run away oh gosh that was that was rough um and i mean you see that so much of the time with not just like teenagers that are people of color or you know even in the case of because you you really got to explore kind of different sides of that, right? Because you saw what happened when they tried to report him missing. But then you also kind of heard about the experience when they tried to report Miguel missing. Mm -hmm. And that having a language barrier and having a fear of ice being called on somebody and that being this reason not to report, report or pursue... Um, or, or escalate that, that pursuit of reporting someone missing. And gosh, I just, you know, as a white person, I don't know what that's like. I, I, and that's why books like this are so valuable is because you, even if you have never experienced something like that, because of how closely you relate to these characters, you see through their eyes, these experiences. And you're like, I can't imagine what that would be like. How tragic to have a family member that you're incredibly worried about because this is out of character that you know would never run away you know they would never do this something is seriously wrong and to not be able to get the police to do their job because you're fearful that on top of this tragedy something else tragic would happen well then that kind of brings us to the end where we find out it's his uncle that's responsible for oh. it Mm. And how you wonder what's going on because Julian is like flickering in and out, and then yeah. you're not really like, sure. Why is that? Yeah. Why is this different they, than what they expect? They don't. They don't see Miguel Dia de Muerto. It's like all this stuff of like they're kind of floating between two worlds, but you're not sure why. It's because they're in the process of dying. Yeah. And he even the uncle even says to Yadriel that oh, I found people that wouldn't be missed. Mm-hmm. that wouldn't it wasn't a big deal that people wouldn't necessarily report mm. and it's like that kind of goes back to that first part what we were talking about with the police is like people of a certain race and a certain you know demographic are targeted because people are less likely to report that is missing yeah and that's just like that's one of those compounding issues right mm -hmm. is and i mean you see that a lot too with like sex workers right that and and 
honestly what's... No, the blaming. They brought it on themselves. Yeah, yeah, and victim blaming. They shouldn't and... have been in that neighborhood at that time of night. Yeah, it's just... Well, what if that was the bus's last stop? You yeah. You just camp out? What if you work, like, around yeah, there? you're stuck. You gotta go home? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, you're in trouble for working? People take that for granted, public, you know, the mm-hmm. that they don't need public transportation. Yeah, public transit is there for the public to use. And it... And that's what I get frustrated too. Public transit is such a valuable resource because not only is it there to help people find a lower cost resource to travel, but on top of that, everybody should be encouraged to use public transit because it's better for the environment. Uh, it's, it's, you know, one bit of emissions for this large group of people, you know, to traverse the city with. So I just, uh, I don't know. I... This book brought up so many really difficult and powerful touch points that it just was was a beautiful piece. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk about too was, okay, you know how like in, in movies and books there's this frequent usage of like the gay best friend trope mm-hmm. where the gay best friend trope doesn't have context or like really their own things that they do or love or... You know, there's not a beefy storyline for them. We don't really get to know them. They're there simply to keep that protagonist moving. I loved this book, how it kind of inverted the gay best friend trope. So it was like, our protagonist is gay. And trans. And trans, which is awesome. And then has a straight best friend that kind of is like, almost, almost mirrors that trope. But... We see so much about Misa and see all the things that, that she's passionate about and her challenges. She won't use animal blood because she's vegan. I, yeah, I, I that. thought that was really cool because you kind of got to see um, all the different ways that these characters approached morality as a concept, right? And you saw like Misa's like, hey, this is this is important to me. I truly believe that not using animal blood is really important. I, you know, and if it means I can't be a bruja, then that's what that means. And I'm okay with that. Um, so even though she had the power to do these things and that that was, you know, a, a tradition that had been handed down for generations to her, she said, you know what? No, this, this, that's not okay. I believe my choice of being vegan is more beneficial long term than you know adopting this tradition simply because it's a tradition um and i thought that was really beautiful and to see that pay off at the very end uh where she is able to use human blood and save uh save her cousin who made this ultimate sacrifice to try to basically saved the world um well say well yeah but i mean ultimately from, yeah, yeah that's, from tio catrice yeah. yeah um i just that was so beautiful to see her kind of come full circle and not like in that moment of need be like well i guess i guess i'll sacrifice my morals and you know to find a chicken or whatever i loved their cutesiness when they were kissing in the hospital bed Oh, that was adorable. That was adorable. I, I absolutely, because um, initially, uh, Julian is, he's a little annoying. He's a yeah, lot. He's a lot. He's a lot. Um, but I loved how 
you kind of got to see this dynamic between Julian and Yadriel um, just, you know, go through this evolution. Because, like, you know, we initially... Julian is a little bit abrasive, you know. A little bit. A little, a lot of bit abrasive. But you see all these, you get little breadcrumbs of Mm -hmm. these sweet moments that he kind of expresses. But you also know that they can't really be together because you just assume that he's dead. Yeah. And 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 I remember thinking, like, how is this going to work? I know. I was like, this sucks. I want them, I want them to have, like, their their moment to have, like, a... I, a sweet little blossoming romance. I kind of thought it was one of those like first love storylines where like you. Where your love, first love is a ghost. No, where you love someone and then it doesn't work out and you yeah. move on and he's kind of felt what it's like to be in love and because I just you, again you think from the beginning that he is dead like yeah, there's nothing. He's dead. There's a ghost. Yeah. Yeah. He's you a ghost. can't be together. Like there's yeah. just you know this is not you know gonna it's not realistic mm-hmm. you know even in a fantasy I, book. I, I know that this this might initially sound like a really small thing, but I think us that are in the queer community do realize how big a deal this is. But I loved how realistically um, the portrayal of using a binder was. Mm-hmm. Like, that that it was not only, hey, let's... And I mean, it wasn't like you're not getting beat over the head with it, but you really did see how... That like it could get stuck. It could get stuck. It's uncomfortable wearing it for too right long. Right out of the shower because um, it's humid. You know? Yeah, and and talking about the different types of binders, right? Mm-hmm. Like a wrap versus like kind of that the one chest piece. Pack, yeah. Uh huh. And now he's uncomfortable in the hospital because he doesn't have it on. Yeah. Because what do you, I mean? You take your clothes off. You take your. Yeah, you're in that gown. Yeah, that's well, it. Well, and to be fair, he was unconscious, so like everybody. You basically nobody's only, comfortable you only in keep a hospital. your panties. Well, well I was underwear. In my underwear, yeah. Yeah, I underwear. Panties, yeah. You only keep your underwear. All the men are wearing yeah. panties yeah. in your world. <laughs> well, and I, I think it brings up the, uh, the topic of transness in the medical field and, like, all the kind of pitfalls that are there. Um, I know for myself, like, when I go to a... I've had a lot of new doctors lately, but when I go to a doctor... I get really upset when I don't see check boxes for things that aren't simply just male, female. Mm-hmm. Um, I would take other over at least having the option. Yeah, at I least prefer like, not maybe to be other questions. Yeah, but like you could at least do like trans. That's an umbrella term now. It didn't mm-hmm. used to be, but it is now. Mm-hmm. I mean, or I mean, nobody wants to be othered. Yeah, true, fair, or neither. I'm not I'm neither woman or male. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, and I think I've said it on, on the show before, but I will actually, like, write in, you should add some additional boxes. And your little chicken scratch. And my chicken scratch. So whether they can read it or not is That's, debatable. Well, we'll see. The angrier I get, the worse my handwriting is. I have noticed with, like, online surveys, like, just for work and other stuff, I get, like, um, female, male... Or other, and you can type it in. Mm. So I've, I've gotten some of those in the well, past few years. I feel like, and I've seen this on a few forms, like medical forms. I think true, to be fair, though, they don't update forms very often, because sometimes they're not even printed very well. Oh, they're printed terribly. Like, there's like it's a copy of a diagonal. copy of a copy. Yeah, yeah, the copy of a copy of a copy that mm-hmm. would kept being copied. Mm-hmm. 
But, like, I've, I've also seen on a few that I was really excited to see was, um, and I'm trying to remember, I can't remember the exact way that they phrased it, but they, they got pretty close to being good, where it was like, uh, instead of like AFAB or AMAB, it was like um, gender assigned at birth is what they put. Mm. And then you could pick that. And then there was a, another section for... Like, Current gender. For Well, they put gender and then they put gender assigned at birth. And so from that, if, if your medical staff are paying attention, if you have two different answers, they could be like, maybe we should approach this with, hey... Let, let's let's ask let's ask questions or let's you know make sure that we're being cautious about how we approach certain aspects um but much like many things in our world there, there's a lot of work to be done to catch up on on uh, conversations about gender and sexuality absolutely and we'll be right back And we're back. Um, on that same note, because um, it comes up a little bit um, early on with Julian and Yadriel and how unsupportive his dad is. Yeah. And then Julian, and so Julian kind of like, I think does a good job of kind of like mentioning, well, there must have been other brewhex that were trans like you're not the only one yeah not in like a disparaging way but yeah, in like, like it's in you know the, the year giant history, history yeah history of the world yeah. and the history of magic you you can't be, can't have been the only one yeah so like why didn't you think this would work if that's you know but i also think like what would have happened if they were non-binary because we're still living in yeah even in in this discussion we're talking about a gender binary mm-hmm. but yeah like if you have a non-binary character what what does what does the story look like? Well, they kind of hint, the narrator and the author hint at, um, at a sequel. Mm-hmm. Um, that would then, be great. The audiobook interview. And I, I would definitely pick that up real fast. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really enjoyed the narrator because I, yes. I did audiobook both times I read this. And I think I did audiobook the second time because I had enjoyed it so much. Like it was one of those, I couldn't get the book book, so I just was like, oh, I'll do the audiobook. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> um, so I really enjoyed that. But... Um, yeah, I like to see a little. They're they're after, after uh, Dia de Muertos love story playing out. Absolutely, kind of see, and then you could even kind of explore, like Julian's chosen family mm-hmm. too, and like see a little more development among the, those characters and how, Adriel's family reacts to him having a, a boyfriend. Absolutely, I um, I really, I thought it was really interesting because you have. So if you look at uh, Yadriel's father and his Tio, you have these two brothers, and they... I, I really loved how, like, throughout the story, and again, it wasn't like, hey, this is the story, and that was what was so fun about that twist at the mm-hmm. end, is that you just saw, okay, here's, here's Yadriel's father, he's not super accepting, and you kind of saw this complex man who, you know, was still dealing with the loss of his wife he's having to be a father and a leader to his his family you know his community and um you know dealing with all these all of a sudden this disappearance right of one of their family members and and kind of see that complex reaction to all these different facets to his identity 
and then you know you're as the reader you're really frustrated that he's not being a better father he's not being understanding and you keep getting these short clipped interactions where even from the beginning like he can't go look for miguel because yeah. all the women stay here yeah and it's and like you're like but oh, but, but all the women stay here and then he just leaves yeah you don't get the moment for Yadriel to be like, listen to me. So you you feel, but you know that's that happened in the past. Yeah, yeah. I can and imagine that, especially with the mom. Exactly, you feel all this frustration building up, and I love to be able to finally at the end kind of get to meet Yadriel's mother in in that, that like two days of getting to to see all the the brujos and brujas that had passed on, and. Um, that relationship of of kind of seeing not only Yadriel blossom into this this awesome powerful man that's a brujo in his own right and you know against you know his his father's wishes the misconceptions of his community yes and so it was really beautiful to get to see all that but also to get to see kind of that breakthrough moment with his father to start kind of healing that relationship and yeah, it's when he finds him in the church and his dad calls him his son yeah and he says it again in the epilogue during the ceremony yeah that was really that was really beautiful i i but i, I like that, that it wasn't because you know sometimes like that happens and it's like everything's great at the end mm-hmm. like i don't find that to be very realistic i just don't no so i loved that it mentions at the very end that things weren't magically fixed by his dad's speech, but yeah. he carved out room for Yadriel to be himself. Exactly. So that kind of hopeful, you know, your feelings are still hurt. Yeah. But there's going to be forgiveness. Yes, and we're working, working toward, toward it. moving forward, yeah. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think even people who, like, um, you know, like Cher, when her, her son came out as trans, they didn't talk for over a year. And she was usually very supportive of the gay community but mm-hmm. kind of wasn't really sure what trans meant you know at the time and this was what late 80s early 90s and um because her son was originally came out as a lesbian and then transitioned and so but she's been very open about that and he's been very open about that journey of like yeah my mom was like this like queer icon and i got wasn't there for wasn't me. there for me like i got the shit under the stick you know <laughs> that kind of thing um, so I was just kind of grateful that there wasn't anything like tragic, tragic that happened. And I, mm-hmm. you know, those microaggressions of calling him her or saying you're my daughter or whatever, those are, those are not even microaggressions, but I think that's he, a, yeah, a little bit further. It gets a further, that's like a macroaggression. I don't know, but like, but the consistently like over time you can kind of like, okay, move beyond it. But like, I think the ending was just really a beautiful way to showcase how, especially in the Latinx community where they're still trying to accept a lot of the LGBT, all the letters, all the letters, <laughs> all the letters. Um, that for me felt more realistic Yeah. for the people of color that I know in the Latinx community that I have been um, exposed to. That sounds weird, but like that I have been a part of yeah. or, or witnessed. So, um, and I also, um, when I think about his uncle, you know, he, you overhear, him talking to his dad at some point of trying to get him to accept Yadriel mm-hmm. and his dad doesn't want to hear it and I think that's what made the 
the ending so shocking was that his Tio also didn't do magic, but we knew that he was going to do magic eventually. He just had to kind of, I thought maybe it was going to, he had to convince his family that he was a man to do that, but he was able to summon Hunan pretty early. Well, and that was what was so wild about when you initially, he summons Julian and you're like, yes, he's doing the magic. And then when he takes his dagger and tries to cut the gold um, tether, tether, I was like, what does that mean? Does that mean like he's not strong enough yet? Or is this commentary on gender? Like, and yeah. then when you finally understand, oh no, it had nothing to do with any of that. It's because Julian's not dead yet. Um, and I was like, oh, wow. Because you kind of, I know I kind of jumped to, he's just a young and inexperienced yeah. pro that might need more assistance or... or... Or maybe you have to have like a mentor that yeah, kind of guides you yeah. or something. But I think that was what makes the the betrayal of his uncle a little bit harsher is because oh. he was the one to always He was his him. lifeline. He was the one person that was an adult that he could look to that was like, hey, you're on my side. You get me. You see me who for who I am, and there's no judgment, and there's no expectation. You just love me. Like, it felt like his tear was that unconditional love. And then to find out that his tear was actively harming his family. And his community. And his yeah. community. And, and, I mean, it was just awful. Because basically, his tear was the one that attacked Julian. And his Tio, through his own words, was like, yeah, he's he doesn't matter. He was someone that wouldn't be missed. Um, and it wasn't just Julian, because initially he was attacking Julian's friend. And then that's when, of course, Julian stepped in and was trying to protect his chosen family. And then was, you know, attacked by his Tio, uh, Yadriel's Tio. Mm-hmm. So, oh. I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of heavy topics on this one. A lot of heavy topics, and I think it was just so like all the characters were just so dynamic too. Mm-hmm. It was just so fantastic. Also, this is just a small side note that I had when they go to the the party together. Um, Adriel doesn't want to drink, and um, and he doesn't get pressured. By Julian to drink so I just really enjoyed that because mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of times especially like people who are queer are not really fully like accepting of themselves or in a situation where they feel accepted turn to alcohol mm-hmm. so I think especially as the, the you know the nature of alcoholism in the LGBTQ plus community um, I just appreciated that that yeah. he like knew his boundaries and and that Julian was supporting him and didn't um and didn't pressure him to drink. I just, I liked that. You don't see that in a lot of queer YA books. Absolutely. Well, yeah, because so many of our queer spaces are based in, like, bar culture. And Sunday brunch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you even look at things that aren't even necessarily, like, only at night. Yeah. Gay bingo. Yeah. Yeah. What is that? Is that bar culture? Gay bingo? It's usually at a bar. Oh, is it? I don't know. I pictured a bingo hall full I've of been. drag queens. I don't know that drag queens go to bingo halls. They're a little bit more... Can we change that? I don't know. Let's start a bingo hall that's just rainbow and, and like, all the queer people. But can we have things other than just bingo? I don't know, man. That 
the bingo stampers. They're so fun. They're so. I mean, but let's have some other. They want you to have like fun if you don't win, but you can have fun without drinking. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's it's called having fun. Having a bunch <laughs> of queer people around you, <laughs> and we're fun. Did you have anything else, or do you want to rate it? Whoa, you're just jumping. Um, I did want to bring up. I loved that you got to have like this moment where, I mean, first of all, I think it was hilarious to envision Mita with these two giant pit bulls. Oh, I forgot about the pit bulls. Like yeah. attached to her, and she's trying to like walk silently That's into another, a like, hideout. I liked that the pit bulls were like kind and like trained. They weren't aggressive, so I mm-hmm. appreciated like the changing of that stereotype. Yeah, trying to subvert that, that stereotype. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love their names too. Uh, and then the funny little bit where they were like, like Ninja Turtles? No. Like, like the Renaissance like painters. The Renaissance painters. <laughs> well, that's what they're named after, yeah. I was like, Rena's going to pick up on the Ninja Turtle. Yes, I uh, loved it. You, you're a big Ninja Turtle. I'm a big Ninja Turtle nerd. Yeah. Um, so I love that. But I wanted to talk about, like, I love that kind of going with Julian on this journey of, like, I want to check on my friends. And so they're trying to, like, come into this, like, hideout that his chosen family basically pretty much lives in um and a lot of these kids are you know dealing with homelessness and so they're trying to find a place to be safe within their their own little close-knit family and so you come in and there's just like this this boy because they can't see juliana of course they just see this boy and then they see uh meets a tumbling in there with these two giant pit bulls. I'd be really suspicious of them, too. I would be very suspicious. Like, how did you get here? What are you doing? And, and why then, are you looking over at this corner? Yeah, why do you keep staring in a different direction? Because they're really suspicious of them. Like, yes. I almost wonder if they're going to, like, not hurt them, but, like, but yeah, threaten mean, them to leave. They've already had their friend disappear. Yeah, so they're all they're on edge anyway. Yeah. Like, to I to a fair think, degree, I think. I would be, yeah. And um, then, like, kind of blossoming out of that... You get this exploration of um, Yadriel talking about was it Flora? What was her name? The trans woman. I'm so bad with names if I don't write them down. But anyway, talking about uh, Julian's friend and about um, when she came out as trans and seeing kind of her experience at school and being out and um, it was just you know, kind of touched on how powerful it is to see people that are out and to see that there is hope for you, you know, even if you aren't ready yet to be out, right? But to see that kind of lived experience of someone else and to be like, okay, this is possible for me or I can see myself doing this. And each of those representations kind of, I think, gives they you more and more confidence and so yes. that you can come out and be your authentic self. Absolutely. And I, I just think it's so powerful. And, I mean, we've seen countless times in, in, in queer representation where people will say things like, well, I don't, I don't think it's anybody's business, you know, if, if I'm gay or if I'm trans or if I'm non-binary or if I'm queer, like whatever it is. Um, but, and I mean, everybody has a right to privacy if they want to, but I do so believe that even if you're only coming out in a small way 
but you're only coming out to, to people you feel are safe. There is so much value. Or in a weird, coded way, Jodie Foster. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, but, like, there's so... There's such an important, powerful part of that experience for the people around you to see. People that you don't even know are queer. Um, and I've seen that in, in my personal life, too. I think a lot of us have, where, you know... Even something simple as just being like, oh, yeah, my wife told me blah, blah, blah. That can be a very powerful statement for someone around you that needs to, to see and hear. Yeah, there are people like me out, out there living their lives. And it, it can be a safe place. Um, and I, I, I loved that kind of exploration that, that we got. And then when you actually you're you're going with Yadriel and uh, Julian to Julian's house to see his brother um and I thought that was really that was that was a hard one to kind of see all this pain that these two brothers are carrying from the tragedy of of dealing with losing their father um and I thought it was really funny how Julian was joking like Oh, yeah, I wish, you know, I was, like, some big drug dealer that, you know, because there were all these rumors about yeah. where he went and why he wasn't at school and, you know, all these things. It's like, like, nothing as cool as that. Yeah, nothing as cool as that. Um, <laughs> but it just, I love, I think probably my favorite aspect about this book was all, all those small little personal moments that you kind of got to see this glimpse of who people really are in, in like in contrast to like what they're perceived to be on the outside and every single time you know whether it's Tio right we we think we see this you know loving wonderful uncle who's you know being this lifeline but then actually who he really is is this criminal mastermind well, Diabolical I mastermind. I wouldn't say that. He I was killing people? He was killing people. But what I would say is he was hurt and he was small. And what he did with his pain was he reached out to try to step on others mm-hmm. and to gain power. Which if he had just had community with his family and talked about how he felt, we wouldn't have had that tragedy. Yeah, I think so too. You know, and so that was that was what I loved about this book is you saw kind of the author playing with this is how we perceive people. And then you kind of gain this intimate truth about who those people really are. And um, I just thought that was a really interesting theme that you just saw with basically every single character. Um, The (laughs) the grandma, though, I thought she was she was a lot of fun, like. She was like this eagle-eyed, um, you know, matriarch that just saw and heard everything. Uh, and I just, I thought she was a really fun character. Do you have any thoughts about her? No, I thought she was pretty, um, pretty sassy in a good way. Yeah, in a good way for sure. Um, I, guess, I mean, I guess that's all, all I wanted to say. Uh, I, I... I really did. I really did love this book. It was. It was definitely a good time. Did you see the um, 
the, the plot twist coming? I didn't, and I forgot about it the second time I read it. <laughs> so, because it'd been, because I read it right after it first came out, and so then just reading it recently, I was like, oh my gosh, and you're like, did you get through that? I was like, no, because it does really happen right at the end. It does. It's You've like, got, like you know, oh, the book's about to end. What's going on? Yeah. Because I thought it was, like, going to be and then like it's like you can't put, Yeah, then you just, like, can't put it down until you finish it. So. Yeah. Yeah, so. I really, I, that was, like, such a betrayal to find out it was to you. Oh. Okay, so, you, you brought up we wanted to talk about rating. You know what I am going to rate it already. I'm going to say five glittering rainbows. I'm going to say the same. Awesome. With the caveat that I would like a sequel. Please. Um, Post taste. As soon as humanly possible. Yes. <laughs> um, and please, can we have a non-binary character? Yes. Yeah, just to kind of play that out. Like what I would, would like. Yeah, I would love But I would definitely, love like, if um, if Yadriel and Julian are not the main characters, we need to see a lot of them being cute together. Like, that's, oh, yeah. That's what I need to we see. We want to see, we see that. their queer joy. We want to see their cuteness. Yes. Um, so in keeping with kind of, like... Um, themes going on so our next read is the graphic novel flamer by mike carito in honor of october being lgbt lgbtq history month this kind of deals with some some issues with the boy scouts in the 90s mm-hmm. and they have a long um history mm-hmm. um this is suggested for ages 12 and up but i want to point out that there is a scene where a character is battling thoughts of self-harm so i want to make sure to put that trigger warning out there i will say that I am very pleased with how it is handled yeah. in this graphic novel. Um, but I, re- I remember it being very emotional for me when I read it. Sure. Um, so I just, like I said, um, suggested for ages 12 and up, but I want to I put that out there. Yeah. So even though it's a great book, if anybody out there is like, hey, I'm just not in the headspace mm-hmm. for that. Exactly. Exactly. Sk- skip it for now. Exactly. And It'll I don't know. It'll be there when you yeah. get to it. Exactly. So, um, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely.